Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word, and we pray as we think about what that means to us today, that you guide us in listening and speaking. Lord, I pray that we might hear your voice speaking to us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to be back in Eindhoven, Trinity, after some time, and it's good to me to see also familiar, some familiar faces uh, after the visits we had before here. Maybe you know of, have heard the name and the story of Eric Liddell. He became a famous runner in the 1924 Olympic Olympics. When you're younger, it's very unlikely that you know his name, but uh, for the ones that are a little bit older, he became also famous through the movie Chariots of Fire. Now, Eric's best event on that, at the Olympics was the 100 meter race. He had trained for that, he was ready for that. And I guess those days were different, but when he arrives at the, at the, the place where the Olympics are in Paris, it was in Paris, he finds out that a 100 meter is done, the event is on a Sunday. And Eric felt, because of his Christian faith, that he could not run on the Sunday. So he skipped the 100-meter race. And he went for the 400 meters, which was not his best uh, distance, but he would try. And against all odds, he won the gold medal for the 400 meters. Just before that race, somebody handed him a piece of paper and that piece of paper had a verse quoting from scripture, he, he that honors me, God says, I will honor. And as I said, if you want to hear more about or discover more about this story, look for the movie Chariots of Fire. Now I'm telling this especially because what comes after the Olympics, when Eric went home, he could have had a successful career as an athlete but one year later, he chose to go to China and become a missionary teacher there. He went in the footsteps of his parents. And fast forwarding, he died in February 1945 in a Japanese prison camp in China, five months before the end of World War, World War II. Now, why did Eric... Uh, did not pursue a career as athlete. He left it behind in order to become a missionary and go to the other side of the globe. Well, the answer is simply because, because of God's call on his life, because Eric wanted to serve God and bless other people. Now, there is a problem with this story, and that is that you probably think, well, Good story, but I'm not Eric Liddell. And I'm not so much interested in having a dramatic career change. <laughs> I'm happy as I am doing what I'm doing. And of course, I understand that. And in itself, that is fine. And I'm not telling this story as a model of something that we should all copy, but it helps us to reflect on the question, what is God saying to us? How is he speaking to us? How is he using me in 
the building of his kingdom. How am I or are we as a church here a blessing to others around us? And, that's, and those two questions, they apply to all of us, young and old to all of us. And so you can guess today we look at that story of Jeremiah's calling, the Old Testament reading, with, that, with those two questions in the back of our mind. And of course, our circumstances are different, but we serve the same God who created us for his purpose and who wants us to follow him and to be a blessing to other people around us. So let's briefly look at those verses we read from Jeremiah 1. On a particular day, we know because of the kings that are mentioned earlier, we know exactly when it was in 627 BC. It says that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he was growing up in a small village near Jerusalem and he grew up in a family of priests. And when we look at that dialogue that's happening there, that speech between Jeremiah and God, we can, this, we can see three parts. It starts with God choosing, God saying, I've chosen you, verse four and five. Then we see Jeremiah's response and God is replying to that response again in six to eight. And then the last verses are about God's commission for Jeremiah. Now this calling of Jeremiah shows that God is the sovereign one. And he wants to save his people, the people of Israel. God says, before you were born, I consecrated you. And of course, those are amazing words. We sang some of those words already in the, in the song just a few minutes ago. He knows my name. Before you were formed in the womb, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, God says. And it is God who is taking the initiative. He is the sovereign one. He chose Jeremiah. He set him apart and he appointed him. And again, amazing words. God taking the initiative. And it shows that God wants uh, his people, Israel, to return to the covenant with him. And he wants to use Jeremiah as an instrument Jeremiah, the young boy from that small village, as his messenger. Now, of course, we are not like Jeremiah. I will, I will say that a few times more in this sermon. And uh, so we are not to copy this story as a model because we, are, we live in different times. We have different tasks, we live under dif different circumstances. But, of course, that's true. That being said, the God of Jeremiah is the same, as I said before. He has created us. I think we all know these well-known words from uh, Psalm 139, when, where the writer says, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that God who created us, he wants us to serve him and to dedicate our lives to him. 
depends a bit on which translation you use, um, but the word consecration, in, as is, is uh, said in some translations, the consecration of Jeremiah reminds us also of our gospel reading, where Jesus was consecrated in the temple or presented in the temple. And that's what we celebrate also today uh, at this, on this Sunday. As a firstborn in Israel, he was consecrated to God. When Simeon said in the reading we heard, he will be a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of his people Israel. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah's calling was all about to point forward to that Messiah and to this salvation. Now the response of Jeremiah is a bit surprising. Imagine that you hear God speaking all these words to you. I made you, I know you, I chose you, I appointed you. And then you say, ah, but I can't do it. I'm a bit too young, I'm a bit too inexperienced. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. Of course, we can understand the response of Jeremiah. A prophet to the nations? Me? I'm only a boy, he says. Now the word boy in Hebrew could also mean somebody without status or without experience. He also says, I don't know how to speak. And that this word know here in verse 6 is in quite a contrast with the word to know we saw earlier where uh, God says I know I knew you before you were formed God knows us before we are formed and now Jeremiah says I don't know how to speak now I don't think that God is dismissing Jeremiah's point he's not saying you know what you say I don't take serious what you say, but he's saying that's not so relevant, your inexperience, because I will send you and I will tell you what to say. And God's care for Jeremiah becomes even more clear in verse 8. Don't be afraid. I am with you to deliver you. I've delivered my people, Israel, in the past. I will and can do it again. And I'm pretty sure that Jeremiah came back to those words again and again later on in life. I am with you. I will deliver you. Because if you read the story of the prophet Jeremiah, it's a story of a lot of suffering and a lot of hardship. When you look at the story of the, the calling of Jeremiah, you see a lot of parallels with an earlier calling, the calling of Moses, the great leader of Israel. There are a number of parallels between those two stories. And when you read Exodus 3 and 4, you see especially those objections. Moses also had objections against God's call on his life. And he came up even with five reasons, Moses, why he could not do it. Let me summarize them very quickly. Moses said, I really cannot do it. But God said, I am with you. Then Moses said, but I don't have all the answers to the questions that people will ask me. 
And God said, I will be with you. That is my name. I will do it. Moses said, that's the third one, they won't listen to me. God said, didn't I just tell you I will be with you? I will do miracles in Egypt. Then Moses said, but I can never find the right words. God said, I thought I had already said that I would be with you. I will tell you what to say. And then the fifth desperate cry of Moses was, please send somebody else. And then it says in the story, God is now annoyed. And he said, okay, I will send Aaron along with you. And he will do the talking, but just go and don't forget your staff because you need it in Egypt. And off you go. And there he went. Back to Jeremiah. Last verses we read, 9 and 10, we see that Jeremiah is commissioned for his task. The Lord will put, again, remember the, the Moses story here also. The Lord said, I will put my words in your mouth. And it says that Jeremiah is appointed over the nations and the kingdoms. Again, what an overwhelming message. But I don't think it's so much that Jeremiah is appointed over the nations and the kingdoms, but it's the word of the Lord in his mouth that is speaking to the nations and the kingdoms. And in the effect of that message, it says, with six verbs, they come from the agricultural area, to pluck up, pull down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. Four negative ones, breaking down, and the last two ones are words of hope. And it also, again, describes the ministry of Jeremiah, where he had a difficult task of announcing to Israel and the nations that destruction would come if they would not change. But Jeremiah could also speak words of hope and new beginnings. And in that famous chapter 33, it says, God speaking, I will restore the fortunes of the land and, uh, at, as at first. So there were also words of hope, but he had a tough message to bring to the people. That's the story of Jeremiah. So what do we take away from this for our own lives, for our situation? Again, we are not Jeremiah. God is not speaking to us in the same way as he did in the Old Testament. And maybe you think, well, if it's about calling, isn't that only for pastors and missionaries, which I'm not, so I'm okay. Okay, let me give you three points to consider. One, our first calling is to love God. We're all called to love God, to be his child. And from that follows that we are also called to serve him. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, whether you're a teacher or a business person, a student, an engineer, nobody is exempted from to be active in God's kingdom, in God's world. And we are all able in our own way to share 
something of the kingdom of God in what we say and what we do and uh, in relation to our gifts and our character that God has given us. So that's the first point and important to remember. Our first call is to love God. Secondly, don't focus on the obstacles. Maybe you feel you are an unlikely choice for God. Again, you could say, I'm too, too young, I'm too old, I'm too insecure, I'm too unexperienced, I'm too settled, I'm too unsettled, or whatever. Well, then you are in the right place. Then you are, just together with the group of Jeremiah, of Moses, of the Apostle Paul, and so many others, they had those doubts and those questions. But God has given all of us gifts and he calls us all to use them in a way that glorifies him. Our, vo our vocation is the way in which we respond to the gifts that God has given us. And I'm pretty sure that a calling is not only for missionaries and pastors. There is no distinction between church and society. In everything we do, we can serve our God. And he's calling business people, nurses, managers, teachers, accountants, lawyers, mechanics, etc. Tim Keller, a Christian writer, says somewhere, pastors are not that important. Just think about when Jesus returns and the kingdom will be there in fullness. The first people that are without a job are pastors and missionaries. They are not longer needed anymore. So that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> we might still need mechanics and other people, but pastors and missionaries, they're out. I'm not sure what to do then. <laughs> we'll find out. I think we, we will be busy. Now, for some, God's calling is dramatic, like the one of Jeremiah or the Apostle Paul. For others, it has been a gradual process. For some, it is a very challenging task, again, like Jeremiah's. For others, it's a normal calling under normal circumstances with normal challenges. The basic question is, have we heard the voice of the Lord? in our lives and have we listened or have we ignored it? Maybe we've put it aside because we had too many questions. The Lord says, do not be afraid because I am with you and I will deliver you. He said to Jeremiah and he also says to, that to us this morning. Uh, after the sermon we will sing this beautiful song where we sing these words and I hope you will sing them with confidence. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me, call me, guide me, lead me, walk beside me. I gave, I give my life to the potter's hand. So our first calling is to love God. Secondly, don't focus on the obstacles and in the third place, God can do it without us, but he he chooses not to. He wants to use us. He could do it. He could have done it without Jeremiah. But he chose to call Jeremiah as a prophet. 
to pass on this message of both judgment and restoration. And of course, he can build his kingdom without me, without us, but he wants to use us. He wants to use you here in Eindhoven as Trinity Church to reach out to people around you, to the expat community here in Eindhoven, to shine his light in this world and to bless others. So are we ready to go and to speak his words of love and grace, maybe correction and peace in his name? Let me finish with the story from Nigeria that I read. It's, it's like a parable. It says there was one year during the wet season in Nigeria, in this village, that there was a really bad storm. And it was so bad it blew off the roof of the church, the local Catholic church. And when the Catholic priest the next morning came to inspect the church, he saw that there was a lot of damage. The roof had fallen in and some of the rafters had come down. And the worst of it all was there was a statue of Christ in the church, a large statue of Christ, and the arms and the legs of the statue were broken. There were no arms, no legs left. And uh, of course, the priest was very disturbed. And he thought, I need to arrange for cement and lime to fix it before people, before church members find out that the statue is so badly broken. Then in the night when he was sleeping, he had a dream and in that dream, Jesus appeared to the priest and Jesus said to him, don't fix those arms and the legs as I don't need them anymore. And the priest was of course very surprised why don't you need them anymore? He asked Jesus in his dream. And Jesus said, now you are my arms and my legs. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.